Hey y'all. This is Talkin' Trash with Liv and Lizzie. The podcast where two friends show each other our silliest and most treasured movies. Each week we'll watch a beloved movie. No matter how corny, childish, or contrived. Sometimes a masterpiece with minor flaws. Other times a magnificent mess. Because one man's trash is Liv and Lizzie's treasure. something and I don't know what ladies and gents this Thanks. is the moment you waited for <laughs> the main thing I, I actually know... don't know who's been waiting for this moment if anyone but <laughs> the main thing I know is that one song where they will come back home and they like slap the crap they out of will. their thighs and they and then they do that little like flippy thing and then all the dancers on TikTok who were in they it originally do, yeah, like go they, ham they, oh they freaking love the dance because they literally like just do this thing. yeah yeah that thing <laughs> We're like sitting in our living room just like reenacting the dance. Yeah. Uh, good morning, almost afternoon. Good morning. Cheers. Cheers. coffee before... We have a whole bunch of drinks. What's the vibe this morning? Well, um, thank you for breakfast. We had a lovely, uh, bacon and biscuit and banana breakfast. I'm trying um, really hard to tap into my inner, like, hobbit core and, like, go out of my way to like make myself fresh biscuits and make mm-hmm. myself bacon and, yeah and some mornings it works and some mornings I don't eat breakfast and I crawl down out of my room like a goblin yeah um those are golem mornings yes um, yes and and then there's the mornings that are in between where mm-hmm. that are smeagol mornings yeah yeah um you like a pop tart yeah but you but you feel good about yourself while you do it yeah 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 um so the vibe this morning so we're gonna finish off our coffee um but uh this this entire viewing experience is going to be a uh tribute to my former roommate diamond shout out diamond cheers Um, to diamond cheers to diamond um we uh so i can explain the vibe thoroughly i'm just gonna go ahead and say today we are watching the greatest showman if you could not tell from our um raucous introduction but uh diamond and i would watch this movie and we had a game plan for this movie which was you start off the movie with a shot of something and then as you watch just kind of sip on your mixed drinks and then when uh barnum and zach efron make a deal there's another point where you take a shot, and uh, we we would also take one at the end, but we'll we'll kind of wager how we're feeling when we get there. Um, so w- this morning we have some uh, Tennessee whiskey, and I guess we'll probably mix it with like root beer or something if we we're gonna yeah. mix it. Um, we, so my husband is on a like no caffeine kick, mm-hmm. um, which. I am not on, so we do, like, K-cup coffee mm-hmm. <laughs> because we can't make a pot together anymore um, and pretty much strictly make that. Um, but, um, yeah, we, um, he drinks, like, a lot of root beer now because he still likes soft drinks, mm-hmm. but everything else has caffeine in it. So, yeah, it's a caffeine and jack kind of day. Yes. Uh, caffeine and jack. and <laughs> 
God, a root beer and Jack. Hi. Remember when I used to be articulate on this show? I just nodded because Good, we were me drinking. Either. I just nodded because we were drinking coffee. Honestly, how articulate you are totally depends on what we are watching. Interesting. That's kind of true. Because I felt like last week when we watched Cabaret, I don't know why, I was fading fast at the end of Cabaret, and you're like, so talk to me about your thoughts of the the display of the fear of rising fascism Dude. in the midst of self-discovery. And I was like, um, the dancing was fun. Dude, I went back and listened to it, though, and I totally used the phrase thematic theme. <laughs> uh, like... Thematic themes are for eighth graders, Liv. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. It's so funny that... Like, the concept of themes, like, gets poo-pooed upon. Um, but I find that all of my favorite stories, the thing that they all have in common is, like, a deep thematic coherence and a mm-hmm. thematic thread that ties everything together. I think the only reason people, like, poo-poo on themes is because, like, they think, like, oh, that's just something that you talk about and, like... It oversimplifies things. A literature class. Whereas, like, the big... The, like, the theme is just the message. Like, what is this story trying to say yep. beyond just plot? Like, yep. yes, this is what's happening to the characters, but what am I, as an audience member, meant to take away? Yep. Um, so, yeah. Um, but... Speaking <laughs> of... Uh, not as thematically coherent right. deep right. movies. Um, so uh, we are watching Greatest Showman today, um, and uh, you've already told me like when we did the when I did the what you're like that's something I know. I know that I know all the words to the one um, uh, that the bearded lady sings. Mm-hmm. Um, I know like never be enough. Um, I know from now on. The reason I know from now on so well is a combo of TikTok and then um, you guys probably already know this about me, but I am obsessed with Ramin Karimlu. Uh, I'm obsessed with him. As am I, I love him. Aren't we all? Best Phantom of the Opera ever. Anyways, he I has love his telling own. people this. I saw him in Anastasia. I am really jealous. Original. I did see him as Phantom, but it was in Love Never Dies. Oh. Which kind of counts. Uh, I also yeah. saw Sierra Bogus though, in that. That is, and that is pretty amazing. Like, the music is not... Okay, here's the thing. Love Never Dies is a garbage story. It's a garbage plot. Some of the music is garbage. But I got to hear him sing Till I Hear You Sing Once More live on stage. And then I got to hear her sing Love Never Dies live on stage. And honestly... That's all I needed. Worth it. Yeah. Worth, worth it. The rest of it could be garbage. I don't care. Um, but he has um, his own album where he sings just like a random or like for like a random assortment of various songs from pop culture, from musicals, from whatever. Um, and one of is them is that... his cover of For Now On. And oh, it's, okay. I'm not saying it's better than Hugh Jackman's, but it's better than Hugh Jackman's. Well, okay, but like... And Hugh Jackman's a good singer. Yeah, but Ramin Kamirlu is a singer, mm-hmm. first and foremost. He's, he's a good stage actor. Mm-hmm. I don't know how well he would do in film. But Hugh Jackman is just like entertainer in every sense of the mm-hmm. word. And so he is a good singer. 
Um, my friend saw him do his um, his live tour, and she mm-hmm. sent me some videos from it, and it's just charming as all get out. They are both incredibly Broadway. Yes. They're just very different types of Broadway. Yes, and, and I, I have no problem saying Ramin Kamiru is the better singer yeah. of the two of them. But, um, but I do think there are certain roles that... I feel like Hugh Jackman is a way more versatile actor. And there are certain roles that I don't think... Like, I feel like Hugh Jackman, while he doesn't have the singing chops for Phantom, he could get the, like, edginess of Phantom down. If he needed to tap into it, he could. I could see him better, honestly, as, like, a Raoul. Like, oh, you need me to be charming, but Mm -hmm. then suddenly snap and kind of Mm -hmm. be a little bit of an asshole. I can do that. And I think he would probably do that well. I feel like... But I feel like he could do some of the darker roles. Whereas I feel like Ramin is pretty consistently cast in darker roles. Yes. And when I've heard him sing things that aren't as dark, even though they're beautiful, they mm-hmm. feel off. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. Go back to being the bad boy. I, I want to see you be like dark and smoldering. I cannot recommend enough, inc- in listeners included, going and listening to the Broadway Anastasia soundtrack. It's good. Um, yes, it pulls from the movie, but it does not follow plot of the movie in the same way um and his character is a brand new character for the stage show and it's so good and it's so conflicted and he's he's wonderful and i i cried several times and i could not believe i went and saw that went with my friends and we went and saw that that on a friday night Mm. and then we went and saw either a saturday or sunday matinee of hamilton like my single favorite show of all time and I enjoyed myself more and Anastasia. at Anastasia with the original Broadway cast mm-hmm. than I did with kind of... And, and to be fair, like, Hamilton had kind of a lackluster crowd that yeah. wasn't really excited to be there like and I, I was. I feel like, too... I, I'm worried about this. I have tickets to Hamilton. I've never seen it live. I've seen the recording on Disney+. Plus. Um, actually, it's so funny because I bought the tickets, like, in 2019. Mm-hmm. And they were supposed to be... For like April of 2020. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that didn't happen. Yeah. So they've been pushed back like four times. Um. So fingers crossed, we're supposed to go in August. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of worried that I'm gonna be like let down by it mm-hmm. because, like, what I've hyped it up to be in my head, mm-hmm. I think is gonna be cooler than what I see on the stage. Here's here's my recommendation: go and just like party. Like, you bring the hype from the audience. Okay. And they will, they will bring it will hype. Rise to the I, I gotta be honest, I would love to see a performance of Hamilton in Atlanta. Just because I feel like an Atlanta audience would is be, yeah. going to appreciate it much more That's fair. Than, a, than a New York hoity-toity audience. That's true. That's true. I saw, I saw Young Frankenstein twice. Mm-hmm. I saw it once in New York and once in Atlanta. And... They almost had, like, there was, like, a pause, like, a lull in the show in Atlanta because the actors were laughing so hard. Like, the audience started laughing, and then they were, like, improving, and they said something that made them laugh, and the audience lost it, and they lost it. And, I mean, the show ended up having, like, a much longer runtime because they were just sitting on stage trying not to absolutely break character. Mm-hmm. But it was so funny. Yeah. Whereas, like, it wasn't like that. In New York. Yep. Yep. But yeah, audience makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. It's a weird That's energy true. thing. So That's true. Um, 
so, uh, thing, so, so why I picked, back to, back to Greatest Showman, why I picked this one, um, so just some, like, uh, quick fire stats on this, obviously, um, Hugh Jackman was kind of, like, the big draw for this particular movie, um, directed by Michael Gracie, this came out in 2017, um, but it also has Zac Efron, Zendaya, Michelle Williams. Michelle Williams is in this? Michelle Williams is in this. Really? Michelle Williams plays, uh, his wife. Okay. Um, and she has a really good song that I feel like doesn't get, um, enough attention. Um, I, I'm gonna try and say her name correctly. Kiala Settle, who, um, was the bearded lady. Is, I follow her on TikTok. She is amazing. She is amazing, and I'm really sad that she didn't, um, I, I want her to get more beyond yeah, just I this. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of potential there. Honestly, I feel like she's one of those actresses that, like, as much as I'd love to see her on film, they should put her on Broadway, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. You, there's so many roles that she could just kill on she, Broadway. She has an incredibly powerful voice. Mm-hmm. I really don't want her to end up... <laughs> I don't want her to be Nikki Blonskied. Um Yeah, I think that happens to a lot of, especially, like, larger yes. actresses. It's like they get, like, one good role. Yeah. Nikki Blonsky played uh, in Hairspray. She's um, Tracy, Tracy Turnblad. Yeah. Um... And then, like, just sort of disappeared. Yeah. And it was a real shame because she was charming really good. as all get out. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, and then I think Rebecca Ferguson is, like, the only other big name in it. But then the rest are, um, I say that, and there's going to be another big name in it that I've forgotten. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sure that's the case. Um, but... What I find interesting about this is that um, this movie on Rotten Tomatoes has a 57% tomato meter, but an 86% audience score. That's a really big discrepancy. It's a huge discrepancy. And so I picked this one because I, if you think about this movie critically, it's garbage. It's not, it's not good. So like from historical criticism perspective, not good. Right. From a, you know, just just script writing and, mm-hmm. you know, th- there's there's some p- really pretty shots in here, but it's not like great cinematography. Mm-hmm. Um not great. Um I have a friend who saw this and she did not like this movie at all. Um because she said, "Well, I was excited that there was going to be an original musical, but then I was disappointed to go in and find that it was just all pop music. Mm-hmm. And um, to and so, and so the criticism of the music not being, you know, um, Broadway, Broadway, whatever that means. Well, and so here was the thing. So my response to that: all of those things are absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Like. Um, as for me, I'm honestly the person who watches it and I'm most critical of like the historical aspects personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really, um, you know, the, the idea that it's bad because it's all kind of poppy, you know, not, not original mixed things. Well, the, so Hugh Jackman was so excited to make this movie mm-hmm. because... 
Who directed it? Uh, no, he was not a director. Okay, okay. He just kind of. He may have been a producer on it, but I don't know that for sure. Okay. Um, I'll have to check and double back on that when we when we come back later. But he was so excited to make an original musical that was from no existing. It's it's a biopic, but mm-hmm. not from an existing source material. Mm-hmm. Original songs that weren't pulled from a stage production, and I'm kind of of the opinion that you know. When, when musicals were made regularly in, like, the 40s and 50s, mm-hmm. um, that those kind of jukebox musicals, a lot of times they, they were kind of a mix of different styles of songs, mm-hmm. but a lot of them would be what was popular at the time. Yeah. Um, kind of, I just said jukebox musical, and I realized jukebox musical is using existing songs, right. so that was a but, incorrect but, use. But. but I see what you're saying. I think... I think there's this kind of elitism that can exist within musical theater, but it's dumb. Um, no offense to, to people mm-hmm. who feel that way, but like even within like existing like musical theater repertoire, like like things like Jesus Christ Superstar. I love Jesus Christ Superstar to be honest. Right, but I'm saying like the music is heavily like like rock. Yeah. And, like, kind of, like, funk-inspired, you know? Um, you know, like, uh, Spring Awakening is very, like, pop meets folk. I haven't listened to Spring Awakening yet, Oh, I so. love Spring Awakening. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, but there's just so many examples. And, like, I mean, like, speaking of jukebox musical, like, most people love Mamma Mia. Mm-hmm. And it's just ABBA. It's, it's pop music. Yeah. So, I think if you just say, well, it has to be musical theater songs, I mean, like, Phantom of the Opera was created by combining opera techniques and rock techniques. Yeah. Right? Like, so if you just say, well, it has to be classical musical theater, you are automatically discounting. Yeah. You you can't have Hamilton anymore because Hamilton, it's rap and R&B, but it's pop. Yeah. Like, what do you think the Skylar sisters are? Oh, yeah. They're inspired by, like, Destiny's Child. Mm -hmm. Like, get over yourself, you know? (laughs) Pop has always had a place in musical theater. There are just certain musicals that pop doesn't belong in. Like, I've been critical when we watched, um, when we watched, um, Les Mis, one of my criticisms was that, like, Samantha Bartz has pop elements in her voice, which to me don't fit in this style of Which musical. is very operatic. Yes. Yeah. Now, in a different musical, do I think she's a bad singer? Absolutely not. She's stunning. In a different musical, do I think that she could absolutely sing the house down? Yes. Yeah. Does she sing the house down in Les Mis, even if she's not my particular style? Yes. But, like, you just have to be open, I think, but, to different vibes. Now, before before I overhype this movie, I will say, <laughs> objectively, the songs in this are good. Mm-hmm. But they are no... You know, right. Uh, I, I've heard them and they're I haven't listened to every song. Um I do I do think even like the big okay. This is probably maybe I'll like it more in context, but this is probably uh, gonna get me some hate. Um Never Be Enough is overrated and it is not the big like power anthem that they think it is. Like to me, it it didn't wow me as much mm-hmm. as I think it wowed. I wanted them to like go bigger and higher and more dramatic with it. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, it's still a beautiful song, but I honestly like the what's the, from now on is my favorite from the musical. That, that I think tends it's to be better. a lot of people's favorites. Yeah. Honestly, never enough is like I think it got more used on TikTok as like a big dramatic thing, but mm-hmm. no one walked away from this and was like, "Oh, never enough" was okay. the best part of the the movie. one the one person that I that tried to show me. So for those of you who didn't watch last week's episodes, I explained that I have technically watched this movie before. I was blackout drunk though, and I don't remember much of it. Mm-hmm. Like my my remembrance of this movie was I think there was like a carriage at the beginning. I'm not even 100% sure about that. Some I mean, other yes. stuff went down. I came to, and I don't even remember the order, but at one point I came back to like being like aware of what was going on and I saw the bearded lady like marching with all the circus people behind her and then I blacked out before I could see her end the song mm-hmm. and then I came to and Zac Efron and Zendaya were like in the air and her hair was pink. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I blacked out again. And then I came back long enough to see part of Never Be Enough. That's honestly the part I remember the best. Mm. And I remember thinking, meh, and then blacking out again. Yeah. And then I remember being put in the car by my husband, who was like, all right, that's enough. Let's take you home. And that's my remembrance of this movie. Yep. So um, I don't remember where I was going with that. Uh, Technically, I've seen that's it why you remember never be enough. Yeah, but um, um, there's not, so when I said there was actually a song from the character who is his wife, mm-hmm. um, there's it's not even really a there's tension with the character who sings never be enough mm-hmm. that causes conflict between him and his wife. Okay, um, and his wife has a wonderful song that kind of sets up that conflict that I um feel like needs needs more, more love, love personally um but you know again at, at the end of the day it became very fashionable to poo-poo upon the greatest showman because of all the things that when you watch it critically you're like eh. mm-hmm. um but for me this movie just makes me really happy um i love Hugh Jackman. Even when Hugh Jackman is bad, he's good. He's like pizza. And yeah. he, I... <laughs> That's a good comparison. I adore him, and um... Yeah, he just, he takes a historical figure who is deeply unlikable, mm-hmm. and makes me really like him. Yeah. And um, he... He dances, he sings, he teaches my heart that family is the most important thing at the end of the day. And guess what? The fact that I gush so much about Hugh Jackman, but I'm like, Zac Efron's here, and he's really good too. And he's singing for the first time since High School Musical, and it's a delight. Yeah. He doesn't exist in history. He's not a real person. But guess what? I I don't don't care. care. This movie makes me happy, and I have fun watching it. You know, you know, I let me, real quick, I will tell you kind of I guess let me segue into what I expect, but I, I will start by saying... That, that's what I was actually going to segue into next. So. Cool. Um, let me say this. I think I'm going to like the movie at least okay. I think I am going to have a hard time overlooking some of the critical things. I do think that like the soundtrack is good, but it's probably not going to be my jam. Um, but what I, what I do think is that I'm going to forgive a lot of its flaws because I have been saying for years... Just Hollywood, 
just let Hugh Jackman do musicals. Right? This man clearly does not want to do action flicks anymore. He's he so wants to do it. He wants to sing. Let the man sing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> let this man be the Broadway cheese god that we all know that he wants to be. My friends. Free, free Hugh Jackman. My friend sent me a clip from his live show of him like doing a salsa dance and shaking maracas and winking at the audience and I'm like this is a man living his truth it, yes this is a man yes. who like loves his life loves his wife loves to dance and that's why we like Hugh we Jackman. stand Hugh Jackman in this house um so yeah um I think I'll like it because of that um you know, this is going to be weird because so I, you know, we all grew up with Zac Efron as, um, as, as Troy from High School Musical. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it was a mistake Honestly, or not. Honestly, we kind of have Troy from High School Musical again in this. And Good. I'll explain that later. Good. Um, I am a little nervous to watch. I haven't seen Zac Efron in anything in a while because the last film I watched with him in it was, um... I can't remember the name of it. It was like incredibly vile, something evil. Uh, it's got like a long film Oh, title. where he's a He's serial. Ted Bundy. Yeah, um, I never watched that. First of all, he was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like, shout out to Zac Efron. I severely underestimated his acting ability. He's a good actor. And he is a pretty good actor. I was impressed. Um, I liked his Ted Bundy. I You want, you know the ending. You know that he did it because you know the history and yet I still wanted to believe for a moment that he hadn't committed all those crimes mm-hmm. and the fact that I felt that way to me showed that he was doing a good job um he even though I knew the truth already he still almost had me fooled yep. um but this is the first movie I'm watching since seeing him as Ted Bundy, yeah. and so I feel like now I like kind of have the heebie-jeebies. Well, the good um, news is, which means you, he did his job as an actor. Like I should be creeped out after you play Ted Bundy. You, know? you have a lot of buildup before you get to him. He actually cool. comes in like in the second act. Really, All right. So I have a feeling I'm gonna like him. I like Zac Efron. Yeah. Um. Really, the only movie I've seen Zendaya in is um, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um. Which I really ride or die for her Mary Jane. I think she's precious. She's adorable. She's such a good Mary Jane. Um, so I'm excited to see her in something else. I feel like I'm going to like her. Um, also, she and Tom Holland are dating now. And, like, I don't want to be that person that cares about celebrities, mm-hmm. like, personal lives because they're private and stuff. But also the, like... Spider-Man fan in me is like, oh my god, Peter Parker and Mary Jane are dating in real life. Oh my god. Um, so, so yeah, anyways. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see this. I'm expecting to walk away from it and go, that was cute. Yep. And then that'll, and then I won't think about it again yeah. for a while. Do you have any other expectations? Um, not really. Okay. Um, well, what, like specific to the movie, I'm expecting really good dancing. I'm expecting some lead actors who are singers to dance much, like or to like cheat at dancing. Like they'll do part of it and then run off stage real quick when the dancers do the cool part because they're not. Hugh Jackman's gonna dance. I know Hugh yeah. Jackman. Hugh Jackman is going to shake that 
perky little Australian ass of his, and I'm gonna be here for it. Zacafron's gonna gonna surprise you a little bit, I think. Okay, yeah, I, I expect a little dancing from him. Um, and I am expecting to kind of side-eye a little bit of their... I don't know a ton about Barnum. I know he wasn't a great person. Mm-hmm. I know that, like, freak shows and stuff that are associated with circuses have a complicated history because on one hand they were allowed for like community for people with like disabilities but on the other hand they were incredibly exploitative and that's not cool yeah um and i will say this movie tries to have its cake and eat it too mm -hmm. with that um but i'll i'll be happy to talk about some of the historical there's more beyond just that Mm -hmm. it's kind of historical and yeah. In this movie, so. Um, so, real quick, before we dive in, um, give us a very brief overview of the plot. Okay, so, uh, P.T. Barnum um, grows up very poor and wants to provide uh, the the life for his wife and children that he feels like they deserve, but he knows he's not going anywhere in his business. Um, so, he takes a huge risk and opens kind of a... Uh, museum of wonders mm-hmm. but it feels pretty lifeless and isn't going where anywhere until he starts trying to uh bring in other people into his project and so it's about him uh bringing in those other people but uh eventually his as his uh show business grows he begins to lose sight of why he began his show business to begin with so then he has to reconnect with his family and at the end i'm sure they all reconnect and live happily ever after mm-hmm. cool and he also makes bank and the Barnum and Bailey Circus. Oh yeah, they still like, have money. Don't Barnum, be silly. Is the Barnum and Bailey Circus still running? One of them closed. I, no, they? I think Barnum and Bailey is done. Um, okay. Uh, is it Big Top Circus? There's one circus that's still Big kicking. Apple. I think Big Apple Maybe. might. Still I don't be know. Going. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure Barnum and Bailey closed. Um, and that'll be another interesting kind of historical thing to talk about, like when we look at why Barnum and Bailey closed. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about you know kind of the history of circuses in general, yeah. I think is I think is kind of interesting. Okay. So, um, but yeah. So I guess uh, without further ado, the Greatest Showman. This is the Greatest Show. everything you ever want. It's everything you ever need. It's his family. That's what he wanted and needed, Liv. That was the real treasure all the along. The real treasure was the friends we found along the way. The real treasure was when we learned to validate and care about disabled people and people of color along the way. Right. (laughs) Okay, so I liked it. Right? It was good. It 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 makes me smile. It makes me happy. Okay, how do we want to do this? Do we want to Let's start let's start with the negative since you since your conclusion was that you liked it. Okay. Let's start with the negatives and then we'll work to the positives. And I'm sure that I will jump in with, you know, my own thoughts on negative criticisms, and then we'll... The ending um, with him watching the ballet was cute. Mm-hmm. I feel like the song, the It's Everything You Ever Want, It's Everything You mm-hmm. Ever Need, 
it kind of sounds melancholic. It's mm. just the tone of the song. Mm-hmm. It's either super hype or it's sad. And so when it was supposed to be like sweet at the end, the ending didn't work for me. The ending um, kind of lost me a little bit. It works for me because I think it's a good parallel to when he sings it softly at the beginning, mm-hmm. which is clearly like this. He's longing for the the stardom and the success. I'm okay with the song itself. I just think maybe they could have done something to the arrangement to make mm. it sound more... Um, sorry, my freezer makes noises. Um, <laughs> I I just feel like they could have done something to the arrangement to make it have a different vibe. Um, and they didn't, so... Um, That's fair. Yeah, I, I didn't love that. Um, what else? Um, I really... <clears throat> hate the CGI in this film. It's um, not good. It's really bad. And honestly, after 2015, if you have bad CGI, like, I'm gonna clock you for it. Yeah. It's, like, yes, it takes a lot of time and money and effort, but, like, they they clearly put a lot of time, money, and effort into this film. Mm-hmm. And I, I just feel like they could have done something better with the CGI or used camera tricks if they couldn't afford the CGI. There are ways that they could have gotten around it. They didn't have to have the CGI all the time. The ones that stand out to me are the... (coughs) Anytime the animals are CGI, it's Mm -hmm. very apparent because they just move weird. Um, But also, there's a scene in the beginning where... You know, we were talking about, like, the whole rooftop scene where there's, like, you know, billowing laundry everywhere. It's very clearly a sound stage. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind that. I don't mm-hmm. even mind when, like, the city shots are CGI. Those don't bother Those me. Those are fine. But suddenly he goes to this house out in the country. It's when he goes to, he goes to meet his first, um, performer. Like, recruit, his yeah. performer. Um, he, I don't remember the guy's Charles. name. Charles. I don't remember Charles. his last name. He's, he's, um, a little person who ends up becoming, like, a general in the he's show. He's supposed to be the Napoleon. Yeah, he, like, rides a horse and stuff. And the inside of the house is just a set, but the yeah. outside it was is, weird. like, Tim Burton's CGI. It was, like, they, it was, like, cartoony, and it just didn't fit with what they were trying to do with the rest of the film, and yeah. I, did, I don't understand it. I yeah. don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Um... And I hate it. Honestly, the CGI was the worst part of this movie. It was terrible. Mm. Um, This is kind of me being nitpicky, but, like, there were so many people of color in the circus. Mm -hmm. And yet, the only one who expressly dealt with racism or was worried about racism was Zendaya's character whose name escapes Anne. me. Anne, thank you. Um and her brother. And her brother. They they seem nervous about the idea of like going to meet Queen Victoria. Um and it just seemed like an oversight to me. Like either there should be concern from everyone mm-hmm. about the like I mean and, and there should have been. There should have been like if you're gonna have it as a part of your script, like it should affect anyone that it would naturally affect. Yeah. Um, they it, so it was just big, like, systematic issues that they wanted to address down, down to, to a couple characters. Yeah, and, and I get why you would have to do that because you only have, what, an hour and 40 minutes to tell this story, and mm-hmm. that is such a big issue, and if it's, if it's a subplot, like, I understand 
that you're not going to be able to address it in depth with every character, but I feel like they could have done things to make it more, like, cohesive or to show that it's, like, a bigger consideration than it was. It was just weird that everyone else was like, we're going to meet Queen Victoria! And then she's like, but what if she's racist? You know, like, it was just weird that it was only those two characters that dealt with it. And they Um, didn't really... I, I mentioned this when they were going to see Queen Victoria. You know, the... When when they approach P.T. Barnum, they go, people won't like you for having us in our show. And he's like, uh-huh. oh, I'm counting on it. Yeah. But it doesn't really address the fact that, you know, people of color were in those shows to be, like, exoticized. They kind of showed it with, like, the tall guy where mm-hmm. he's clearly, I'm not sure if he was Russian or Eastern yeah. European, but he's like, mm, I think you're Irish. Yeah. And I'm like, you totally would have done that with this brother and sister. Mm-hmm. Um, but that yeah. that didn't happen. So yeah, it's I mean, the thing the thing about this kind of story mm-hmm. is you're talking about something that got its start pre-civil war and continued post-civil war. Mm-hmm. This is the 1800s. Vague 1800s. Vague though. 1800s, clearly. Vague 1800s. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but but the point is and and I'm not saying it's kind of one of those things where like I don't know. I mean, I think, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a person of color. I don't know what it would feel like to watch this movie and have it be tackled more. Maybe mm-hmm. it's, maybe it's nice in a way to just like, well, have a little escapism. I don't know, but it, it just, the thing is, is we, before we started this, we were reading a little bit about P.T. Barnum, which was a roller coaster. A roller coaster. I mean, he would do things that were so wrong and then turn around and do but, things so like right. 20 years later in his life, said, like, like he clearly had some sort of change of heart. Like, he talks about, like, he owned slaves at one point, and then he talks about how he himself should have been whipped a hundred times over, yeah. like a thousand times over for having done it. Like, he and recognizes... Then he, he fought for the 13th Amendment. Like, yeah, like, he clearly... <clears throat> what makes him an interesting figure is that he recognizes that these systems that put people down for things like the color of their skin or um, the condition of their birth, like if, if somebody is born with like a physical deformity or a defect or, or a condition, mm-hmm. you know, or some sort of disability, like he seems to recognize that those are not things that people should be judged on. So, on one hand, I feel like the movie missed an opportunity mm-hmm. to focus even more on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, he still, in real life, is, like, kind of a bastard. Um, and they, I think they touch on that a lot in the movie. I yeah. don't know. This, I'm, this is I'm a, confused. This is a very, very fictionalized It's super fictionalized. Biopic. But, I gotta be honest... I don't mind it for what it is. Yeah, I don't mind it. I I guess I'm just watching it kind of confused about... It makes me want to read this guy's biography so bad. Yeah, and, and there were some things that we were reading that I was like, why did they tell it this way? Oh, 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 we read about Jenny Lynn. 
Yeah. Screw this movie for how they treated her. Right. Should not she have never been had a romance with Barnum, as far as we could tell. Yeah. But what she did have was like a perpetual fight with him, like an argument, because she wanted to give all this money to charity, and she kept renegotiating her contract to get she was more profiting. So yeah. Much. So she kept renegotiating her contract to get more money. For, like, impoverished school kids in Sweden. And to sell more tickets at reduced prices. So that other people could go to see it besides yeah. just wealthy, like, wealthy members of, like, you know, the upper yeah. class. So, like, you know what? Screw this movie for making Jenny Lynn, like, a home-wrecking villain. I want her biopic. Um, like, yes, I do. Um, oh, and that was one other thing I, I disliked. Um, and it's going to kind of segue. This is the last thing I'm going to talk about that I disliked, and it's going to segue into something that I loved about this film. Yeah. Um, so this is my last point. I don't like... there Nothing against the actress that plays Jenny Lynn, mm-hmm. but why is she the only person in this film... Who is dubbed. Who's not singing her Everyone part. else. I mean, they're all dubbed because they recorded it in a studio yeah, and then but filmed it. Someone but else why, is singing her part. Why did someone else sing her part? Why did they not? There are so many redheads in this world with beautiful <laughs> singing voices. Yep. Hire one of them. Put the girl who actually sang the song in a wig. I don't care. Just hire a singer and have her sing her part. This, this actress did movements when she was singing quote unquote the song Mm -hmm. that I've no singer I've ever seen would do yeah like she hits the big note and is like gyrating around like when you hit big notes you spread your arms and you sustain because you're holding them and it's hard and you're contracting your muscles and it's like clearly this girl has never sung before in her life and I just want them to hire singers now Segwaying into my well, next well, point. Before before you okay. do, my other thing that I don't care for, I think that that is a great song. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great powerhouse song. I think it fits really thematically mm-hmm. with kind of what Barnum's personal journey is in mm-hmm. a very overt way, right? Like it, the the show business is never enough. He needs yeah. more validation. But they say she's an opera singer, and it's not opera. And it's and clearly we have seen. Andrew Lloyd Webber has been meshing opera with other styles of singing for years. It can be done. You could have it be pop with a flair of opera. Just do something to make it feel slightly operatic. It's it's a good song, and I Mm -hmm. feel like they had this good song, and they... Sorry, I didn't mean to cover my mouth. And they just didn't know what to do with it going from there. I agree. I 100% agree. Now... What I liked about this film. Yeah. This is something that you guys have heard me say repeatedly with, like, Disney movies. Mm-hmm. I'm always, like, with with all the live-action Disney films, I'm like, why didn't they hire singers? Why didn't they hire singers? Why didn't they hire a singer? Where are the singers? Where are the dancers? Why do these people... Why are they training actors who've never sung before how to sing instead of getting singers who can act? Mm-hmm. Here, they got actual people with musical theater experience. Yes. They have Hugh Jackman, who notice how good he sounds in this role when compared he's not to to, compared to Lamez when he's not deprived of water when they let him record it in a studio. He sounds awesome. 
And um, he's having so much He's so fun. clearly but living his best life. But I'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, Zac Efron is a good singer. Yeah. And he's a pretty good dancer. And even when he falls short on the dancing, he tries his darndest. And I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, okay. Zendaya, great singer. You can tell, though, that she has been a trained dancer. Yeah. The poses... The, the the way the the elongation of her legs and arms you can see how she's holding her core firm and I live for a dancer yep. who can also sing and act they clearly, doing their stuff being a queen they, I mean she obviously had a stunt double for big acrobatic acts but they clearly, understandable they clearly taught her some of it because yeah. she she knows how to and, like sit in the ring properly yeah. and spin in it and you can tell like even when she's not in the ring when she's just dancing on the ground like she has clear dancing experience yeah. and expertise and I really really appreciate that about her as a performer and about the film in terms of casting like I'm glad I'm glad they chose her for this role because I think she did an excellent job. Um, so, um, oh, um, Kiala Settle, who plays the bearded lady. Wonderful. So before we watched the film, I said, I hope that whatever she does after this, I was like, honestly, someone needs to put her on Broadway if she hasn't already done it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, because she's incredible. Um, come to find out, not only has she been on Broadway, she's already been nominated for Tonys, and um, they did that live-action Rent a while ago that I did not watch, oh. um, but she sang the big part in Seasons of Love. Um, there was something else that she had been in recently that I was going to bring up. Um, she has played Tracy Turnblad in Hairspray. Um... I would love to see that. I I think that she is phenomenal. She's been uh, Bloody Mary in South Pacific, South South Pacific, South Pacific, um, which I haven't seen in a long time. But I feel like she would be really, really good. Um, what else has she done? Oh, she was um, Tenardier. Madame Tenardier oh. in Les Mis. Oh, what a good part. <laughs> she originated the role of Becky in the musical Waitress um, in 2016. I have not seen or listened to Waitress. I, I have really listened to. to part of it. I haven't listened to all of it. Um, there's a song that, that our friend Jenny actually sent me and was like, hey, this duet sounds like it could be between um, your D&D character and her mother <laughs> figure. Um and it makes me cry every time because oh. I think of so my D and D character's name is Courage, and her like mother figure is called Syndra, and it it straight up is like oh. I'll, I'll I'll play it for you sometimes. Yes, it like makes me like weirdly emotional. Um, but yeah, so she's done a ton of musical theater work, and honestly, it shows because she is a great actress. Yeah, but she is a bring the house down phenomenal yeah. singer this this was nominated for best her song was nominated for best original song which it absolutely deserved and it won the golden globe for it i did not know that and it was nominated for the oscar yeah. um i, I want to know what beat it i feel like that year it was you know like those like credit songs for movies mm. like it's not actually in the movie but it's in the credits i feel like it was one of those but i'm it was 2017 what won best original song 
I'm gonna look it up. I'm it's curious. very it's very rarely a musical theater song. It's true. Like Let It Go may have won Best Original Song the year that it came out, but that may have been like the last one to do so. I don't even remember if yeah. it did win. Oh, okay. Okay. What was it? Remember Me from Coco. Okay, no, that deserved to win. That, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, that's it. as soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, that, I is, love Coco. There is no other song that can make me cry on, like, the first Coco. word. My grandmother, my grandmother passed of Alzheimer's, and so Coco messes me up. You know what, though? Remember Me makes me cry, but for some reason, like, ever, I, I can't remember if we talked about this or not. I feel like we have. I always get through Remember Me and, like, barely managed to hold it together and then he starts singing me proud corazon and i like weep uncontrollably for like 30 uh-huh. minutes after the movie is done i don't know what it is about that song but it yep. just gets me in the feels every time um but yeah so um that's fair um, this i feel like this song that it's it's such a bummer that those came out the same year mm-hmm. because this song totally any other year I think this would have won. It still gets um, me. We were talking about this that both of us get kind of choked up at mm-hmm. that song. Um, and I and love what people do with like TikToks and stuff. Yes. Um, I love I love like drag queens <laughs> who do like transformations with it. <laughs> but what gets me every time? So like there'll be like a drag queen that does like a transformation with it, and you know then they do the part with the sharpest world where it's gonna cut me down, mm-hmm. and they write like you know like the f slur and stuff like that mm-hmm. across their face and then they like wipe it off and like turn into a magical unicorn and they like are fabulous that always gets me and it's really good but then there are ones with like children reacting to it mm-hmm. and the kids get all excited when they turn into like unicorns <laughs> at the end and i cry every time also every single one of these songs is like a tiktok trend yes which i think speaks to like the longevity of these songs these they're bops. They're catchy, they're good. good songs. From yeah. now on, it's going to be stuck in my head for the rest of the day. From now on is easily the best part of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't adore, like, every song, but the things that I liked about it, I really liked. Yep. Um, I love the whole scene in the bar with the choreography between, like, yes. all the beats. You were talking about when they were... Um, nailing up mm-hmm. the posters like how it matches with the music or how the horses trot out in time with the they're music they're very aware this is a show made by musicians yes and it shows and is it like a cinematic masterpiece probably not mm-hmm. but it succeeds where it's trying to succeed and I think sometimes the flaw with film criticism is they're looking at film just through a filmic lens. But not every film is trying to be like cinematic high art. Sometimes films are focusing like this this is a film that executes sound design super well. Mm-hmm. You, you put, know. Okay. Like, oh, I was just saying like there there are other things I think to consider. And I think this film executed what it wanted to be very well yeah so you mentioned two things while we were watching it that i found really interesting um first right off the gate when it was like the second song it was the um the a million Dreams song when they're children mm-hmm. and you said this movie does color really well mm-hmm. and doesn't shy away from it and um that was something i really appreciated about it like so many movies don't want to be bright and colorful because I guess mm-hmm. gritty realism was kind yeah, of in it's like in it's like the films that are bright and color colorful are really interested in 
color colorful realism so Mm -hmm. they only do color when the scenery itself is meant to be bright yeah and i think that's kind of overdone at this point like bring me some color it's so weird because like a movie like la la land like was award-winning largely because of its use of color color. it's it's vibrant and bright Mm -hmm. but for some reason when it's in just like kind of a meh movie we go "Mm, no i gotta be honest that's one of the reasons why when i showed you aquaman i liked aquaman so much more than like you know gritty superman movies was i was like this is an undersea colorful animated adventure let's go i did so Um, so with aquaman Compared to all the other Superman or superhero movies I've seen, both DC and mm-hmm. Marvel, I thought it was lackluster. Compared to every other DC film I've seen, with the exception yes. of the original Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. I thought it was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's because it's, it was fun. It was visually pleasing. It was nice to look at. I'm tired of looking at gray screens. Thor Ragnarok figured this out yes. and worked with it. I honestly thought... The later, um, in like I thought, Infinity War and Endgame both figured this mm-hmm. out and worked with it. Um, and even like when you look at like TV series, like like Loki has a lot of bright colors, and when mm-hmm. it is drab, it's intentionally it's drab. It's very intentional. They They're have in the thought office. about it. It's yeah. not. It's not just we are grim dark because that's the tone. It's you know, it it just fits and yeah. it works well. This movie um, uses like smoke scenes really well. Yeah. Um, and it uses really symmetrical shots really purposefully. Mm-hmm. Um, we were kind of talking, you know, I was saying one of the things that kind of set poorly with me at first um, was the scene where they're dancing on the rooftop. I was like, oh, they're just ripping off Moulin Rouge. But then I had to remind myself, and I already mentioned this to you, one of the things we talked about with Dracula Mm -hmm. is how Francis Ford Coppola is intentionally ripping off iconography from other horror films Mm -hmm. to, like, immerse his audience in their own expectations of what a whor- gothic horror is. And there's scenes like that. the same thing. There's scenes like that in every musical. It makes me think... See, it's funny that you thought of Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. I always think of the scene where the parents are dancing together in Hairspray. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, dancing through the, yeah. the laundry together. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that it's kind of this regular image. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know. It invokes... It's not an old Hollywood film, but sometimes it invokes those old Hollywood feelings. It's trying um, to harken back to a time of of the Hollywood musical. Yeah. With really, really excellent choreography, which mm-hmm. I think is something that we lose in a lot oh. of modern musicals. We were talking Speaking about... Which, we found out something interesting. At the end of From Now On, when it's the bearded lady, the brother... I, I don't remember the brother's name. And um, the gorgeous bald woman who is part of the dance team we found out that she's the choreographer i'm pulling up her name for Um, this la la land what was the other one she did she did la la land and um crap hold on i'm pulling her up right now (laughs) one of my other like favorite musical movies her name is martha nichols um and as soon as they looked her up martha nichols is an american choreographer and dancer and you look up movies that she has choreographed. Greatest Showman, In the Heights. In the Heights. La La Land. Um, um, those are the big three so, that she's yeah, done. Huge round of applause for her. But yeah, clearly, like, she... what What's cool, too, about her is clearly she understands, like, specifically... 
sorry, I was looking up. She's clearly done some, she's clearly done a lot of other stuff too, but she, she clearly understands how to make like super good choreography and then even more importantly, how to choreograph really well for a camera versus the stage. Mm. Um, I haven't seen In the Heights yet. but just I haven't the, yet either. Just the shots I've seen. Um, hopefully I'll get to go see it sometime in the next couple weeks. The shots I've seen in the trailers, again, she knows how to... Um, and I've watched the first eight minutes. They released them online. Mm-hmm. Um, how to do symmetry really well. How to use like overhead angles really mm-hmm. well. Yeah. It's like, she seems like she knows how to work with the cinematographer to get, like, super good choreography. So, shout out to um, Martha Nichols. Um, You're fantastic. And we think you're a beautiful singer. And a beautiful person. I kept saying that she was, like, the prettiest person. person She's the prettiest person in this movie. Um, Stunning actress. Um, She also, in one part, they pan to her and she's got this, like, one tear down her cheek. Like, like Frodo Baggins style. <laughs> yeah. And it's like so pretty. Um but um and shout out though for being such a great choreographer. Yeah. We stand a choreography queen on this channel. Yeah. Um oh my my other favorite thing. Um you know how I love costumes. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a, a critique, but I'm gonna follow it up with positive. So, in hearkening back to some of these old Hollywood films, Mm -hmm. they make a lot of historically inaccurate decisions. Yes. I, I, yeah, there's, this is not really a time period. (laughs) No. Like, if I had to guess, there are moments where it's like, this is clearly the 1890s, followed by moments where I'm like, this is clearly the 1930s. Um, all the while, the story is supposed to be set in, like, the 1850s. So, it's, like, cool. Um, clearly, you have no idea what time period you're aiming for. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. The costumes are great. They're beautiful. Um, I thought that um, a lot of the dresses, particularly that they put... Um, Mrs. Barnum in. Mm-hmm. I can't remember her Charity. first name. Charity. Um, a lot of the dresses they put her in were distinctly 1930s. Yes. Very, but that harkens back to a particular musical time they, Yes. They were trying to get those silhouettes with the dancing that those dresses afforded. And I'm okay with that. Um, P.T. Barnum's jacket looked great. Um, we talked about how Zendaya's... Sorry, I keep calling her Zendaya. I know it's Zendaya, but I always mess it up. Um, you know, I've never been certain that it was Zendaya. I'm pretty sure I heard somewhere that it was Zendaya. Okay. Um, sorry, Zendaya. I'm, I'm trying. Um, I just had it in my head because I kept reading it mm-hmm. before I heard it, you know? Anyways, um, a lot of her costumes, it was like, what? Why does this look like something out of, like, the late 1990s? Britney Spears would wear this outfit. But I don't care it yep. looks so good she rocks pink hair so well she does work that um, pink hair. we talked about this a little bit segueing out of talking about costumes um zach efron has aged like a fine wine mm-hmm. he just gets more and more yummy every time i see him and i can't mm-hmm. quite figure out what it is 
But, mm-hmm. um, whew, man. What else? I just, I, I genuinely enjoyed this. I wish that Disney would take a page out of this when they make their next live action right. film. I want them, their next musical live action, I want them to hire performers who are invested in and care about musical theater as much yeah. as this cla- this cast clearly does. Yep. These are musical theater dweebs who all came together to make a good musical. Yep. And yes, do musicals tend to work better on stage? Absolutely. Would this be even better if it was a stage show? Yes. Am I complaining, though, about it being a film? Not at all. It did what it set out to do. It used some of the tricks that film affords to make it good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I like it. There are still some decisions that confuse me. Um, P.T. Barnum as a figure confuses me a lot. I really want to go read his bio. Yeah, I, if you do, let me know. I might read it after you. Because I... I am I am confused as to what on earth he is doing um, and what his his goals are, um, and I do kind of wish they had explored. This is one last critique. I feel like he kind of gets away with a lot. Mm-hmm. Like historically. It's really complicated, right? Because he did exploit people for his show. But he also gave these people opportunities in a society that hated them. So it's like, I I know that like for some of these, these people, this probably felt like a really awesome opportunity. And they probably felt like the people they worked with were kind of a family. I would have liked a moment, like, like, P.T. Barnum kind of loses everything, and he, he, there's that one scene where he kicks, um, his, like, circus performers out, or he doesn't let them into a party, and then they, they're clearly upset by this, um, but then when he's at his lowest, they all come and pick him up again. I agree with that. And while I think that was a beautiful moment to kind of show the goodness of these people, I feel like Barnum should have been confronted with how he brushed them to the side. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they kind of do, but I wish they would have doubled yeah. down a little bit more and had them be like, hey, you have treated us poorly. And you have the chance to be better. And then let him be better. So, I agree with that. I think that the way he treated his performers was sort of an unavoidable thing that had to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they they did it in this very, like, rushed way. Yeah. Um, but, ultimately, the story they wanted to tell was a father who in the pursuit of bettering the world for the people yeah. he loved mm-hmm. lost sight of the people he loved. Yeah. And um I think that's the problem when you're when you're basing these kind of stories off of something historical mm-hmm. is that you, for the sake of storytelling you have to narrow it down 
to a couple key issues and you have to have some clear narrative arcs. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're doing a novel where you have time to explore everything, yeah. you oftentimes can have a lot of multiple thematic threads. With an hour and 40 minute movie, yeah, you can't always do that. Yeah. I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. And this is just the right length of movie. I don't think they should have tried to make it longer. I agree. Um, um, I just kind of wished they had... You know, if it had been an hour and, like, 45 minutes before the credits instead of an hour and 40, mm-hmm. just to address a little bit of that. Because they established stuff. I just wish they had developed it more. Yeah. I but will, overall. I will say my last kind of positive with this. Um, it was so sweet. Um, my... My... Sometimes I've, I've, like, questioned my dad's taste in musicals. He was so surprised that, like, I didn't like the live-action Beauty and the Beast. He loved the live-action Beauty and the Beast. And, um... So, like, he likes, like, big spectacles and things. Mm-hmm. Um, funnily enough, though, his his favorite movie is Chariots of Fire, which overall is a pretty subdued film. It is a very subdued um, film. I love Chariots of Fire, too, Great honestly. soundtrack. Um, but he loved this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think especially as a dad, there was something in this that spoke to him. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I think he just resonated with this character mm-hmm. that Hugh Jackman made. Um, and that was just really sweet. That, like, you know, so for me personally, that's part of why I enjoy it, too, is just, like, how much my family really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it was good. I, yeah. I do like I, it. I believe they are making a sequel. Which I feel very conflicted about because on the one hand, like we've said, there's clearly other stories you can tell with these characters. Mm -hmm. Um, However, P.T. Barnum's done. He retired. He retired. So don't get me wrong. If we pass the torch to Zephyrin, um, that's fine. But like Hugh, Hugh Jackman at the end of this movie is talking to his wife on the beach and crying. And I feel every second of it because Hugh Jackman's just so darn diddly sincere and I so I'm I'm hesitant is the best I can say right now I'll let other people see it first and then Basically. I'll hear what they say but um. at the same time if it's even if even if it comes back and they're like the story was terrible if the songs are as big a bops as they are here I'll still probably watch I'll it goes. if um. uh, Martha what was her last name I'm so, you just told me the choreographer I know but I can't remember it if she's behind the project again I will go see it I will now look her up and go see any movie that she choreographs Martha Nichols Nichols gosh darn it yeah um we'll yeah. look up every movie she choreographs and go watch it yeah so agreed um okay a few last notes one of the things that we we already I kind of commented commented on this prior to recording but one of the things that I found kind of ironic is that people in the in the film the people love coming to Barnum's show mm-hmm. and the critics hate it this was amazing yeah which is fun <laughs> because people love this movie and the, and the critics, critics hate hated it, it. um <laughs> Probably because it crapped on critics, honestly. Like, and, and yeah, I under- critics kind of get butt hurt really easily about things. Well, and you know, they really don't like this idea. I understand the idea that, like, you know, criticism and critical thinking getting pooed upon. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. That that that's not something to be pooed upon. Um, 
But at the same time, when he's like, you know, he says, do you feel bad that everything you're selling is fake? And he goes, do these smiles look fake to you? I'm like, that's how I feel. Yeah, the CGI lions are fake, but you know what? My smile is yeah. real. <laughs> but, but also, like, arguably what he's doing is immoral. So I get why the guy is criticizing him. Yeah. But also, like, I don't know how to completely wrap my mind. They're both right. Yes. And that's the problem is that audiences and critics are both right. Like, is this a masterpiece of a film? No. Critically, it deserves that, like, 56. Was it a super fun experience? Absolutely. Audience score of 86. Agree. Yeah. Like, it makes sense. Um, it's a good snapshot of what this film is. Um, point number two I was going to bring up um, is kind of random, but we talked about Aquaman. When I was looking at the cast, um, I don't remember the character's name, but Zendaya's brother in the yeah. film. He's the dude from Aquaman. Which dude from Aquaman? He's like the bad guy. Like the... Stop. Yeah. That's the him. Manta guy? I think so, yeah. <laughs> it was like Black Manta or something oh, like that. Oh, no. Or, I don't think that. Maybe, maybe I'm... Or it was some it's something like that. I thought it was just Manta. Is it just Manta? I may be wrong. Am I just but... like putting black in front of it because I'm I'm like that kid in Falcon and Winter Soldier that's like, so you're you're black Falcon, right? And he's like, No dude, it's just Falcon. <laughs> I actually haven't watched It's me, I'm that guy. Um, I haven't watched that yet. Um Oh god, it's so good. It is Black Manta. Okay, I feel vindicated. Okay, good, good, good. Okay. I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh god. Um yeah, that's him. Oh, no. That's, that's that dude. I hope he gets a sequel. He's a good-looking man. He's a very good-looking man. Um, yeah, so I just thought that was pertinent since we were talking about... God, he's tall. Sorry. Um, <laughs> since we were talking about... He's six foot three. Lord. Uh, but since we were talking about Aquaman earlier, I thought I would bring the two together and Amazing. address that he is in. Amazing. So what would you give this film? I would give it... um, Two out of three circus rings. Ooh. That's good. That's a good one. Um, I would give it... uh, Five out of seven wonders of his real museum, which he actually did a museum that was based on the seven did? wonders of the world. So five out of seven yep. world wonders. Five out of seven world wonders. So here's to the greatest showman and sort of here's to P.T. Barnum. Maybe. Maybe. Here's to Hugh Jackman. Here's to Hugh Jackman. Someone we can all so, agree upon toasting to. <laughs> I was telling I was telling Lizzie this during the break, but I had a crush on a boy when I was in high school, and he was like, I am very straight. But if I ever could shoot my shot with Hugh Jackman, I would do it. And yeah. I was it just I was like even more I had an even bigger crush on him after that. I was like, you're right. You're so right. Question for the future. Have you watched Kate and Leopold? Yes! Okay. I love that movie! <laughs> oh my god! I'm 
haven't seen it in so long. If you ever want to do a talking trash with Kate and Leopold, I totally will. Yes! <laughs> we need, I'm like, like tearing up just thinking about it. I have we, so many feels. We need a Meg Ryan month. <laughs> oh my god! Yes! Okay. 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 Good. But, but before that happens... Liv, you're picking our next musical. Yes, so I'm picking um, a musical um, that's actually old. Um, Yay! This is quite an old film. Um, and um, it is Guys and Dolls. Who's in this one? It stars um, Gene Simmons. Okay. Vivian Blaine. Okay. Frank Sinatra. Ah. And Marlon Brando. Ah. All of whom do their singing. Ooh, okay. So, you know, expect, like, Frank Sinatra to sound amazing. And then there's Marlon Brando, who is objectively not as good of a singer, but for some reason his character is so endearing that by the time it's done, you will forget he's a bad singer. Mm-hmm. Um, because honestly, I had such a big crush on him. Mm-hmm. Also, I just really like Marlon Brando. Oh yeah, um, he's a cool dude, and um, I like like what he stands for. Um, he's a cool dude. I like him. Anyways, um, this movie came out in 1955. We'll talk about it more in the next episode. Um, but it's a good one. It is. Um, I don't actually know. Are you picking another, like, is this cabaret where, like, it's not actually trash, but I just need to see it? I'm, you know what? I'm trying to figure that out. Um, let's see. Because I feel, I feel like I'm like, Newsies, greatest showman. Okay, yeah, it's so, (laughs) so here's what I found about let like me tell big you this. corny musicals that critics like don't like, but gosh darn it, I do. Okay, so critics love this film. Actually, mm-hmm. we'll talk about it more in the next one. But what I will say is that in some ways, it's aged kind of poorly. Ah, uh, it's like a Seven Wives for Seven Brothers type deal. Yeah. Okay. Um, like there's a song called "Luck Be a Lady Tonight." Yeah. And like. I was like, yeah, that song slaps. And I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were like, um, it's kind of sexist. And I was like, I mean, yeah. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it sounds so good. Um, yeah, so, um, it's fun. I think you'll appreciate it. Nice. The music's really fun. Um, and, uh, I'll let you know. Yeah. I would argue that Marlon Brando's performance is really strong and his singing is not so much. Fun. So, yeah. But uh, we will see y'all next week. I have enjoyed this thoroughly. I have too. I'm honestly sad that Musical Month is almost over. Yep. We got, what, one or two more weeks? I think we should do two more weeks because... Well, we're doing Guys and Dolls next and then we'll do the joint movie. Yes. With a special guest. Maybe. We'll Maybe. see. We'll see. All right. All righty. Bye. See you then. (laughs) 
Thanks for hopping in the trash can with us. Give this week's movie a watch and tell us what you think. And let us know what movies you think are trashy treasure. Maybe we'll give it a watch. Follow us on Twitter at Liv and Lizzie to tell us your thoughts. And remember, no matter how trashy you feel, you are deeply treasured. Bye!